Good morning, everyone. My name is Lars, and I'm bringing us the Bible reading today. Today's reading is from the book of John. We've got two short passages we're reading from, one from John 14 and one from John 16. John 14, 25 to 26. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. From John 16, verses 13 to 14. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Lars. Heavenly Father, please uh, grant me your Holy Spirit as I speak and grant to all of us your Spirit so that we might understand your word through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today's uh, kind of, because being at Pentecost, we're focusing on the Spirit, but rather than using Acts chapter 2, uh, which is often what is used for, for Pentecost, that's when the, the Spirit came, I'm using John's Gospel. This is kind of the unofficial launch of the series that we've got on John's Gospel. We're going to be looking at John's Gospel virtually throughout the year, uh, even during Advent. And uh, because it's a, a big Gospel, hard to cover every base, uh, we're selecting different passages out of it. So I wanted to use John's Gospel and what John te- teaches us about the Spirit uh, for t- today, for Pentecost. Now, that's a, a big task because there's quite a lot about the Spirit in John's Gospel. So I just want to narrow that down today to focus on the Spirit's role as a teacher and guide into all truth. Now, um, much of my church upbringing, uh, where I kind of uh, learnt the Christian faith and, and developed as a Christian was in the Pentecostal church. You may know Pentecostals emphasise the role of the Spirit. Pentecost, Spirit came, Pentecostals. Uh, in the lives of Christians, the giving of spiritual gifts, which are manifest or displayed, gifts of healing, uh, speaking in tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge, Another example or another emphasis that um, many Pentecostals have is on being led by the Spirit, the sense of being guided and having things revealed by the Spirit. ah, There we go. I came across this picture online, and this is a, a good illustration. In fact, it comes with the quote from our passage today from uh, John uh, 16. So here you've got a person at the crossroads, right decision um, or the wrong decision. And the implication of this is that the Spirit will help you with all your decision makings, uh, will guide you uh, constantly. And the scripture that is cited as a basis for this belief, as we can see up here, is uh, the text that we've just heard. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything, And from chapter 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. As one uh, Pentecostal site that I I looked up 
It said, when you truly desire to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth, he will. End of story. Uh, Years ago, I came across uh, uh, comments of a reformed scholar, and um, his name is Sinclair Ferguson, Scottish theologian. And he was speaking in regards to John chapter 14 through to 16. And Ferguson points out that much of what Jesus promises in those passages uh, regarding the coming of the Holy Spirit, they're directed, those words are directed to the apostles. Commenting on John uh, 14, 26, uh, the, um, the passage there, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Sinclair says, the significance of these words is commonly short-circuited as though they had immediate application to contemporary Christians. What's he saying? Well, he's critiquing that aforementioned view. When you truly desire uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth, he will. Well, not that one specifically, but certainly that kind of theology of being led by the Spirit uh, regardless, in everything. Ferguson is pointing out that Christians, without proper reference to the context of Scripture, um, can misapply the Scriptures. He's pointing out that Jesus is talking directly to the apostles, not to you, uh, 20th or 21st century Christian. Now, when I came across those comments of Ferguson, I was a little bit taken back. You know, because I, I was so used to reading the scriptures with my Pentecostal goggles on. So I was used to thinking, oh yeah, we're led by the Spirit in, in everything. And it seemed to me a very convenient way for Reformed theologians to uh, basically say, hey, that, that passage isn't meant for us personally. Uh, there's no direct application. It's mere data. It's It's information. But of course, Ferguson isn't actually saying that. You may remember the um, series we did last year, How Not to Read the Bible. Do you remember there was four points about how to read the Bible? What What are some ground rules for reading the scriptures? One of those was the Bible is written for us, but not to us. It's a um, pithy but helpful point to remember. So two questions I want to address today are, if these statements by Jesus were directed to the disciples kind of only, what do they then mean for us? Is there any application for us? And secondly, is the Spirit's role for the apostles apostles echoed for us in any way? So the first of these, if these statements by Jesus were directed to the disciples, what do they mean for us? Well, the answer to this will be really short. Now, to quote again from Ferguson regarding the promise of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Ferguson writes that these words constitute a specific promise to the apostles which found their fulfillment in the writing of the New Testament. New Testament. So, in the discourse that we see Christ having with the disciples in uh, John 15, Jesus says, 
When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. So you can see there, directly, he is talking to the apostles, because none of us have been with Jesus from the beginning. He's saying the Spirit's going to come. The Spirit of truth, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify. What is the apostles' testimony? Well, of course, they went around preaching, declaring the gospel, founding churches. What else is their testimony? It's the New Testament. And here it is pointing forward, a lot of um, biblical scholars are saying, here, Jesus is talking about the New Testament, that it will be written, that they will bear their testimony to the world. There is a particular role for the disciples, recalling what Jesus said and did and testifying to it. And for that, they need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, a good example of this is actually found in um, John chapter 2. That's where Jesus turns over the tables um, in the temple. And you remember one of the questions that is asked of Jesus? By what authority are you doing this? And he has this kind of cryptic answer where he says, tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. And then it has this passage just after that. It says, after he, Jesus, was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered, they remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, what happened after Jesus was resurrected? Soon after was Pentecost, they were filled with the Spirit. It is from that moment onwards that they are reflecting on the ministry of Jesus. Many things that they didn't understand when they were with Christ, now they got it. The penny had dropped. But it wasn't because of themselves finally realising, it was because of the Spirit making it known to them. And so their testimony together is in agreement. One last point about this. The Spirit is always closely linked with the Word of God, even for Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3, um, it says this, He whom God has sent, a.k.a. Jesus, speaks the words of God for he gives the Spirit without measure. Christ's preaching was empowered by the Holy Spirit without measure. Next, the Spirit is given to the apostles who then realize and understand what Christ did and spoke and um, they testify to it, empowered by the Spirit. Then the Spirit is given to Christians, to us, to understand their testimony. That leads uh, to the second point, or to our second question. Is the Spirit's role for the apostles echoed in any way for us? Does the Spirit also teach and guide us in any way? The answer is yes, but not like it was for the apostles. It's not like we are adding to the scriptures. You know, one Christian writes to another, 
a letter, and then that gets included in what we call the canon in Scripture, it's not the same because we were not with Christ from the beginning. But we do have the Spirit illuminating what is written in the Scriptures for us. Let's consider what the Holy Spirit will do for the disciples first, though. Jesus said, I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Advocate. Isn't that interesting? The Advocate. If you look in other translations of the Bible, you'll see that um, different words are used there. Sometimes it's helper, comforter. In the earlier NIV translation, it was counsellor, but now they've reverted to advocate. What this means, when you see a word that's kind of translated quite differently in various translations, you realise that the original word, the Greek word behind it, must have shades of meaning that is hard to pick up in the English language. And so all of those, helper, comforter, counsellor, advocate, all uh, show some aspect of the meaning of the Greek word, the Greek word being parakletos. Now, sometimes you'll hear biblical scholars referring to the spirit as the paraclete, uh, based on that word parakletos. Enough of Greek. What that word means is something that is called to come beside to offer aid and support. Uh, Like a legal term, like an advocate, uh, someone that's there to support and help you. But there's a a much more active sense to it as well. Uh, The role of the Holy Spirit will take for the disciples as the advocate will be to teach the disciples all things. To remind them of everything that Jesus said. That's 1426. Jesus promises that the advocate, the paraclete, will also be in the disciples. That's in 14.17. And will testify about Jesus to them. 15.26. Active within the disciples, teaching, reminding, testifying about Christ. So that the disciples were inspired and empowered in their witness, their testimony to the Lord Jesus, to their preaching and to its record, the New Testament. Now, there's a theological term that is used uh, for this. It's called special revelation. God has revealed his glory in Christ and made it known personally to the apostles. They have a depth of understanding beyond what could be attained by their natural attributes. It was given. It was special revelation. Uh, John Calvin, um, the uh, Reformation theologian, um, if I can find it. There it is. Though he had taught the apostles with his own divine lips, Jesus, it was necessary to send the spirit of truth to instill into their minds the same doctrine which they had heard with their ears. That was the Spirit's role. But does the Holy Spirit also come to us in a similar way? As a teacher, 
bringing special revelation. Well, let's consider the Apostle Paul and what he says to the Corinthian church. If you've got your Bible there, you can open it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 9 and on. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, there is something beyond our grasp, something great and magnificent. No eye has seen it, no ear has heard, no human heart has conceived it. What God has prepared for those who love him. And then Paul says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, special revelation. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human except a human spirit within? So also, no one comprehends what is truly God's except the Spirit of God. And then he says these most amazing words. Now we have received not the Spirit of the Word, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. All Christians, those who truly believe, are given the Spirit as a gift to understand the great gift of grace that has been given us in Jesus Christ. Again, to uh, quote from Calvin, he says, The Holy Spirit is the internal teacher, illuminating us to the relevance, the significance of what Christ has done to God's love for us. We read in the scriptures how the Spirit testifies to our spirits that we are children of God. Uh, Commenting on this passage in um, Corinthians, the uh, scholar Gordon Fee writes, in terms of his relationship to us, the Spirit is first of all the revealer, special revelation, the one who, to use John's language, takes the things of Christ and makes them known to us. He is therefore the instructor in the ways of God and of Christ. Uh, This is why when many people are converted, they'll give their testimony, and part of often what is their testimony is they say they've felt and experienced an inner transformation. That now when they read the scriptures, it is alive to them. They read it and see things that they didn't see before. I love the, the quote from uh, Martin Luther where he's, he's reading Romans uh, about the righteousness of God and he says, I felt at that moment that I was born again and understood. That's what the Spirit brings. Uh, Tim Keller states uh, it this way. He, the Holy Spirit, is not only the author of objective truth, he wrote the Bible, but of subjective truth. He makes it live in your life. He makes it vivid and powerful. He makes it life-changing. Or said similar, another um, author, Dan Ortland, I love this quote. He says, but the Spirit makes the heart of Christ real to us. Not just heard, but seen. Not just seen, but felt. 
The Spirit takes what we read in the Bible and believe on paper about Jesus' heart and moves it from theory to reality, from doctrine to experience. The Spirit turns the recipe into actual taste. Isn't that beautiful? Takes the recipe and turns it into actual taste. How do you apply uh, these things that we've been talking about? Well, many of us will relate to what I've said. You read the scriptures and you know that internal uh, teacher, the spirit makes it real to you. There is a joy and a freshness as you hear God speak to you from the pages. You know that it is applicable to you personally. Others may feel, well, it's been a long time since I've read the scriptures like that. You might remember it a long time ago when you first became a Christian or at various times in your life, but now things are a little bit more dry and it does feel more like reading information, data, than the living word of God. The writer of the Hebrews, he reminds some suffering Christians that they are God's children. In in Hebrews 12, He softly rebukes them for forgetting that fact. He says, you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children. He's reminding them of the scriptures. And the way to rectify this state that they're in is to look to Jesus, to consider him who endured the cross so that they would not grow weary and lose heart. He's pointing them again to what Christ has done. Meditate on the death of Jesus Christ, on what he has suffered for you, for the glory set before him, enduring the cross, scorning its shame. He's asking us, focus on that afresh. And in fact, that's what we do today when we have communion. That's why we have communion each week, is to focus on what Christ has done for us, to allow it to penetrate into our lives afresh, When I have felt spiritually dry, which can happen on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, when my reading of scripture feels uninspired, I'll often pray and thank God regarding the hope that his promises give me. I thank God that I am his child, loved with unfailing love, that his grace is sufficient for me. I'll think upon those passages of scripture which have had a profound impact in my life, but now might feel just like information. I'll remind myself of them, thank God for them. And often as I do that, what is objective becomes a sense inward of subjective. This is true. For me, it's like being stuck out in the cold for a long time, coming into the warmth warming myself by a fire, and slowly the warmth starts to penetrate my body. We can do these things. There are means of grace for us to reignite and and to sense again the Spirit's role in our life, understanding Christ afresh. Still others may say, well, you know, John, I... I just have not experienced reading the scriptures the way you talk. 
I've not sensed that. It's, to me, it is like reading information. In fact, I barely read the scriptures at all. I just, I haven't experienced this transformation. If this is you, then won't you come and see me? Let's, do, let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Or meet with some ministry uh, team member. I'd love to pray about that with you. Well, let's pray even now. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do pray that we might be filled with your Holy Spirit to understand the gift that has been given to us and the death and resurrection of your sweet Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. May we be a church full of your Spirit, being led, taught by your Spirit, that we might know you and see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you.